Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. There's another thing that robs us, Satan. His demons, they're going to do all that they can to steal your joy. After all, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He just wants to get his hands on you. His demons just want to work in your life and just make you miserable. The host of hell want to rob you of the joy in a whole myriad of ways. We need to be aware, be alerted to the fact that it certainly... Satan's ploy to make you look in other directions so that you do not experience the real joy of the Lord. And he wants to take away the joy from the believers because after all, an unhappy child of God, one that has no joy in their life, not a very good billboard for Christianity, is not a very good witness to a world that we are showing that Christ is all in all. But if there's no joy there, and that's why Satan wants to rob you of all of those sources that he can, of any source of joy, so that we just don't show Christ to a world that there is something in the power of God. By the way, that's my next point. Is sometimes when we don't recognize the power of God, when we don't see God is in control, that will rob us of joy. When we don't recognize that God is watching over and brings people in our path. Brings people. And you might be going out and, you know what, I love to stop at the gas station over here and put gas in my car because there's so many people coming and going and a lot of them will have like certain team logos. That's it. How's your team going to do this year? And I'll tell you what, people will talk about their team all day long. And then I'll just get to say, well, you know what? Our church is just right there. And let me invite you and let me just tell you. And it's that simple. It's that simple. And we've got to recognize that sometimes God brings people in our path that while you're pumping gas or you're at the grocery store or you're standing in line six feet apart. Yesterday, we stopped for gas and I walked by. A guy almost had run me over and I walked. And Sylvia's talking to him, inviting him to church. Talking to him through the car. I don't know how that happened. I had gone inside to pay, come back. And you know what? Because we've got to recognize that God brings people in our path, that He is in control. And you know what? If we don't recognize that sometimes He wants us to maybe divert what we were about to do, change our plans a little bit, that God is in control, He is sovereign, He's going to bring people into our life. And rather than fretting, being full of anxiety, worry, feeling threat that we're not in control of our life, how wonderful when we recognize that Romans 8.28, that God is working all things to the good to them that love the Lord. And that's when you begin to recognize 
I've started out with this plan and God's plan took me off this way. But His was the right way. His was the right path. And then you begin to see joy because you say, wow, the Lord just used me. The Lord just opened up a door. The Lord just made some avenue available. Because God is in control of all of it. If you don't understand that, you're going to struggle with your joy. I got to read through in Habakkuk this week. And Habakkuk's joy, it starts out, he cries out in the beginning of the book, How long, O Lord? How long, how long, how long? You've just forgotten us. You've left us alone. Where are you, God? And he gives God all his distress. And he's reciting then all that he knows about God. And you know what? It has an effect in Habakkuk's life. When he begins to recite what he knows about God, little by little, his attitude changes. And you'll see it as you read through the book. Little by little, his attitude changes. And by the end of the book, his attitude has changed so that he says, I rejoice in the God of my salvation. You see, sometimes we might cry out to God and we might just say, Lord, why this? Why that? Why have you done this? But we recognize who God is and His love and His ultimate plan that we don't know and we don't see. And we come back to that place like Habakkuk. I rejoice in the God of my salvation. If we understood the sovereignty, the power, the might of God, then we rejoice. Well, here's number four. Another thing that steals our joy is prayerlessness. Not praying. Failing to commit things to the Lord. When you begin to fret and worry, fume, you try to orchestrate all of life's elements and do it all on your own, we forget our dependence. Prayer literally is replaced today by modern day counseling. And I taught psychology and counseling. And you know what? Let me just tell you that sometimes we need to come back and recognize the hope is in God and who's taken care of. The hope is in God and not looking to run over and see, well, what is this person going to tell me? What is that person? We've got people now that are life coaches and we need to go to the giver of life. Not go to a life coach that maybe they don't know whether they have their life in line. No wonder James, when he said, when you reach a place where you feel powerless, impotent in your life, when you reach that place of total weakness, you can no longer tap into the divine resource for yourself. You go to the elders of the church, he says. Let them pray over you. For he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man has tremendous effect. Commit your way to the Lord, Proverbs says. Trust only in Him, it says. Take it to Him. Give it to the divine resource. Get God involved. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many places can we find in the Proverbs where he tells us over and over and in Psalms, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Focus on Him. And then he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication let your requests be made known to God. Go to God. Go to the Lord. And if you don't have strength, go to those that you know are godly men and women that will come alongside you and pray. When you're feeling like you're spiritually in shambles, get some godly people to pray with you. Prayerlessness 
will steal your joy because you'll scramble all over the world trying to find solutions, trying to meet the dilemmas that only God can solve. Don't try to orchestrate your life. Recognize that He is in control. Don't try to find some life counselor behind a desk who's going to give you all of their ideas. But we've got to come back to a certain theological thinking of recognizing who God is and that He answers prayer. We've got to recognize that just having a wrong idea of God begins to cause us not to pray and steals us of some real practical joy in our life. Well, let's look at number five. There is something to the effect that when you have a joy and a spiritual high, you'll have a spiritual low. I cannot tell you how many times after a Sunday we've had a wonderful day, a day when God is just blessed and the Lord has worked. And I'll tell you what, then you hit that Monday low. That's when all the dishes have to be done. That's when the laundry is piled up. That's when everything that you did over the weekend is all piled, maybe on your workbench or whatever it is. The cars are all dirty again, and it's all there, and the humdrum low of life hits. It's nothing to go from a great spiritual experience to severe trial. Just know that's going to happen. There's a good example in the Scripture. There's a man by the name of Elijah. And Elijah goes to Mount Carmel and he prays and God sends fire and takes up the offering and all of the 12 barrels of water, he licks all of that up and then Elijah slays 450 false prophets, the prophets of Baal. And then one woman comes along. She says, I'm going to get you. Now she has the means. She says, I'm going to kill you. And what does it do to the prophet? He runs into the wilderness and he says, God, kill me, kill me now. I can't stand it. There's a woman after me. Well, that might be her translation. It might not be quite what it says. But that hard to understand. 450 men, prophets, he had no problem. And one woman scares the daylights out of him. Kill me, Lord. But that's what happens when you've had a height of a spiritual victory. Just know there's going to be a low. There's going to be some spiritual depression. There's going to be that time. And that's why sometimes severe trials come after you've had some spiritual blessings and spiritual highs. Just know and don't let that steal your joy. The experience that we see in Elijah's life is maybe a, a great contrast, but I think that it's something that goes along in our life. Don't let life going from a very high to a very low, it can take your joy. So be aware of that. Hi, let me interrupt for just a moment and update you with some information. You can now contact us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. We also now live stream services on landmarkstockton, all one word, dot com. Or you can see us on Facebook at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Stockton. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love to send you information. So thank you and back to our podcast. Number six, there is something else that steals your joy. It's the circumstance orientation. When we are 
circumstance oriented and there are some people who live their life like this that they have very little joy because they take all their signals from the material world what am I talking about their emotion is controlled by what's happening in the world their shallowness of the world the world commercials will tell you if you have these sunglasses you're gonna be happy if you wear this kind of clothes you're gonna be happy if you drink monster drink you're gonna be happy whatever it might be you drive this kind of car circumstance oriented and that's really materialism and that's the God of materialism it's a lack of focus on God it's a lack of contentment with God they don't see that God is at work in their life and every response is controlled by the things of time and space where they are right then so many people live like that they're joyous because of a great event their joy rises or falling when they get something new when they have some special event when they get to go somewhere whether it's going on a trip or not going on a trip there and that controls their responses because they're totally linked in circumstance orientation they're taking all of their cues from the material world and it robs you of joy and it puts you on a roller coaster that's unrelated to true spiritual joy another thing that steals your joy is gratitude my, my kids and I still wear the belt has a big belt buckle says Jesus is Lord and sometimes when they were little that was all I needed to do because a little spanking sometimes brought a great life lesson but if I were going to do it over again I think I would have not spanked them for some of the things that maybe they did get spanked for but spank them for the ingratitude train up a child in the way he should go when he's old he'll not depart from it. do not train your children to be ingrateful train them up to be grateful how sharper than a serpent's tooth is a thankless child ingratitude failure to be thankful instead of focusing on the things that the Lord has given instead of giving thanks whatever the circumstances whether they're positive or negative Paul being chained to a, a soldier and he's saying what joy I have for you at Philippi you see their life's trials that may come and they're really going to end up being a blessing of God and could help conform us to Christ but when we're not thankful we do not recognize and we're never satisfied and you never say thank you Lord it has to do with pride unquestionably ingratitude ingratitude will steal your joy well there's also forgetfulness that will steal your joy what do you mean by that well failure to keep a memory of where you were when you were saved failure to remember where the Lord has brought you why is it that new Christians always seem to be so full of joy they're all so full of zeal and it's interesting I've never seen a church split by babes in Christ I've never seen a church problem a fight in church that has come as a result of brand new Christians I've seen some old mossy back deacons that raised up their horns and want to fight maybe I shouldn't say that but it's just true that's just life's experience never heard of a major church problem created by new babes in Christ never heard of a church group that was miserable griping and murmuring complaining made up of people that were newly saved you see we've got to recognize 
and remember from what He has saved us. We've got to come back and remember. We don't want to be joyless, cranky, sour people. That's why in Psalm 103 it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Oh, I'm sorry. Psalm 103, 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. That's the song I was. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Do you ever just sing that? Do you ever just sing? Well, young Christians, don't you know? Maybe sometimes you're looking at older Christians and you say, Lord, take me home before I get like that. <laughs> take me home before I start to act that way. Well, I need to wrap up here. Another thing to steal your joy is dissatisfaction with your earthly condition. Sometimes when you think, well, if I were better looking, if I had blonde hair, if I had this color hair, if I were this tall, if I were more athletic, if I were more academic, if I were more handsome, if I were whatever it might be. We get all of those dimensions. We look at the material world. If I had this job, man, I would be that. Dissatisfaction with your earthly condition. We've got to recognize that God made you who you are specifically. That's why Paul said in Romans or in Philippians 4.12, I know how to be abased and how to abound. I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. To be content. We all have disabilities. We all have handicaps. Maybe being stuck in a wheelchair has caused you to lose your joy. Some people lose their joy because they can't get the job they want or because they don't think they look just the right way. But notice that God has made you and has put you in a place and He is in control. Well, some things that steal your joy are the fear of the future. Why do some people always imagine what's going to happen? This is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus said in Matthew 6. I'm going away, and but whatever you ask in my name, I'll send it to you. Isn't that what he tells them? Let not your hearts be troubled. What are you afraid of? Some people live in fear. Fear of all kinds of things that aren't happening. And it's the what-if syndrome. Don't let that steal your joy. The thing that steals our joy is uncontrolled feelings. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we let ourselves talk to us rather than talking to ourselves. What I mean is we put on a mind of Christ. We begin to tell ourselves, this is the mind of Christ. This is how I should live. Paul being chained to a, a soldier, he knew that God was working and doing something in his life. Psalm 42, he moans and he groans. Why are you disquieted, O my soul? Quiet soul, hope thou in God. He realized that. There's a soliloquy there. He's battling back and forth. And he's trying to bring himself into submission. That's what I mean when we talk about controlling uncontrolled feelings. When we have morbid self-analysis. Have you ever just thought about well, you know, I want to know why I'm feeling this way. We're all inadequate. We all fell, fall short. There was a friend of mine, close friend of mine, and you know what? He re helped me recognize some things because he has a terrible past. Murdered seven people, maybe more. He'd been caught up in the Manson cult. Great friend with Charlie Manson and did his dirty work. But he will not allow people to self-analyze it and say, why aren't you forgetting? Why aren't you 
just looking at what you did because God made him a new creature. He's no longer Tex Watson. He's Charles Watson. He no longer is just caught up in that. He recognizes that God forgave him and he cannot bring those people back and he's so sorry for what he's, what's happened. But there are some that are unwilling to accept forgiveness. There are some that are unwilling to, for, to accept that God has forgiven them and they just don't recognize that God's forgiveness. And maybe you get to a place where you say, well, I just can't forgive myself. Let me tell you that Charles Watson got to a place where he said, God forgave me. I'll live with the consequence. I'll live my life in prison. I'll live with the consequences, but I'm going to live for Christ. And he's a new man. He's a different man. He understands that he had to accept the forgiveness of God instead of coming back and saying, oh, how could God forgive me? I can never forgive myself. That's when we have to recognize there are still consequences to our sin, but He's going to bring us along. Well, but I want us just to close out. Because when we left the Apostle Paul sitting in a prison dungeon, he says, I have great joy. There are practical things that you can be on guard of, but as we study joy, when we study the life of the Holy Spirit, you'll see that you can resist those things. 1 Samuel 2 and 1. The woman who had been greatly depressed, Hannah, for she did not have a child. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Now that's the attitude, isn't it? There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one beside thee. There is no rock beside God. She rejoiced. That's the attitude that we have to have. It's an attitude of joy that whatever this world might throw at us, I hope that you recognize this world is out to steal your joy. The joy of the Holy Spirit is given that God has implanted in your life and that only He can give. Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? If you have no joy, maybe you want to ask and make sure that that has been Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.